Welcome to the DL. This is the show where we talk about everything in the truck and equipment repair industry. It's my job to help inform and educate you on ways to help your business. We talk with technicians, business owners, associations, industry experts, manufacturers, and even a few you wouldn't think traditionally apply to your business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The DL. I'm your host, Tyler Robertson. And today you're going to learn a little bit more about me. And there's something that none of you really know. I always kind of tell people I grew up in a gravel pit and nobody ever actually believes me, but I, or they think I work there, but I actually did grow up in a gravel pit. My grandfather started a gravel pit operation and they eventually hit water. It was about 20 feet down. Then they kept dredging it and digging it out. And all of a sudden there was a private lake there. So my grandfather decided to build a house inside of a gravel pit to live in. And that's actually the house I ended up growing up in as my, my father bought it for my grandfather. So I have a long passion with moving dirt and rocks and washing rocks and everything else. So I was really excited when I had the chance to, to find Aaron here. Uh, so Aaron Witt is the president of BuildWit Media Group. And we're going to be able to talk about his story here. And I think you guys are absolutely going to enjoy this. It's a great story, great thing about entrepreneurship, great thing about moving dirt. So Aaron, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me on. I always uh, jump on any opportunity to talk about dirt. So I'm excited <laughs> to be here. People don't realize how much money's in the ground, do they? I, they don't, and, and they don't understand that every everybody depends on earth moving. So whether you drive to work, whether you turn your faucet on, whether you use electricity, it's all related to dirt, earth moving. So it's it's a big deal. Well, let's just explain to everybody. Let's get this right out of the way. What what does Buildwit Media Group do? Like, what what's your role in the whole dirt world? Yeah. So so the dirt world, that's our term terminology for the, the, the industries we serve, heavy construction and mining. I love dirt. So that's what we, we do primarily. We call it the dirt world. But the blue car world in general right now is really struggling to find people. So what's happened is everyone's rushing off to college and rushing into these white collar jobs, tech, finance, things of that nature. Our, our economy's really shifted in that direction away from, you know, working with your hands and, and actually using the trades to make a living. Um, but but that said, you know, the trades are still very valuable and that's how society functions. So I uh, was working in the construction industry. I worked for five different construction companies. I got an engineering degree. Plan was to start a construction company, but I started to see that no one was telling a very good story uh, in the industry. And, and so I thought, hey, we need to start doing this. And out of that need for storytelling in the industry emerged our marketing agency now that specializes just in heavy construction and mining. So we we tell the story about what goes on in these job sites, what these people do day to day, what a career actually looks like in the hopes of uh, attracting more people to the industry. So I know my side of it really well, which is the diesel technician side. And we have a huge shortage, like literally tens and tens and tens of thousands of job positions are open today for diesel technicians. And it's a very similar story to what you just kind of talked about a little bit. And that's that the fact that all these people are going to school for four-year degrees and, and doing all these other things. And all of a sudden there's a diesel technician shortage and you literally can't find them anywhere. Is How bad is it what you see in like the blue collar, the, the trade, the construction industry that you guys are in? Is it as bad as I'm saying it is in the whole diesel technician world? It's, it's going to be bad. So right, right now, the, the issue is, and I've talked about this a lot, is everyone's making record profit. Uh, everyone's having their best year ever this year, even, even despite coronavirus. So 
they're not, the bottom line isn't really feeling it yet, but everyone's starting to get real nervous because they starting to see their, their, their workforce get older and older and older with less young people coming in at the bottom. They know there's going to be a problem. Most people still aren't doing anything about it though. Cause it's not really creating any pain, but it's going to be there. And I'm a young kid. So I have a 40, 50 year time horizon. I know it's going to happen. It's just, it's just a matter of when, and I want to be the guy, you know, there to, to help things along when it does happen or before it happens. So when I think construction companies, I'm trying to figure out why do they exactly need an agency such as yours? Is it because they're trying to attract new clients and go find new business? You just said they're having record years. Where do you guys kind of fit in that whole mix and, and how are you helping those companies? Yeah, so they, they hire us on to, again, to tell their story. So they're really, really good at moving dirt and building things. They're terrible at telling their story. They're terrible at at you know finding that higher purpose. A lot of these companies, you know, the first step of, of working with them is, is really just, um, you know, figuring out, hey, why do you guys come to work every day? I know you guys move dirt, but why? Like, how, how do we reinstill that sense of why to what you're doing? And then how do we communicate that to your, your people in the field too? So it's a lot of telling their story um, externally and it's telling their story internally to re-inspire their current people because they're, they're their best salespeople at the end of the day, especially from a workforce development perspective. So it's, it's, it's both those things and they just want to be, they like our business, which is really cool. Um, and it's very humbling because we've created this business that, that also has a higher, higher purpose, you know, make the dirt world a better place. So they want to, they want to be a part of that. They want to contribute to, yeah, we, we want to make the dirt world a better place too. That's, that's what we want to do. So but we want to partner with you because we see you doing it. We want to be a part of it and, and we want, we want to play a role. Um, so it's, it's a lot of, they, they hire us to tell their story externally for, to, to attract more people, to win more work. Cause a lot of the companies we work with, even though they're, they're growing, they want to grow even faster and become even more aggressive. Uh, they want to communicate internally and then they want to be a part of, Hey, we know the industry needs to change too. You guys are on the, the, the tip of the spear of that. And we want to be a part of that as well. All right. So you mentioned recently here you're not really that old you haven't been doing this that long right so what what happened what was the what was their pivotal moment you're working for a construction company and digging some dirt with a shovel and all of a sudden you're like hey i'm gonna go start a marketing company or where where did that idea even come from it, it was kind of a gradual thing and and this is i i like a lot of people i feel like have this misconception of you get struck by a lightning bolt one day and like oh my goodness i have this genius idea and i'm gonna go do it uh, for me, it wasn't it wasn't like that at all. It, it was just kind of a gradual process. Um, it, so, in I always knew I wanted to start a construction company, and, and so when by the time I was I was eighteen, graduated high school, I went to work in the ditch with a shovel at, for a construction company. Um, I graduated college. I'd worked for five different construction companies because I wanted to see as much of the industry as possible. So I'd worked on the railroad in California, drilling and blasting up in Washington State. I'd done a lot of underground utilities work in town. And then I moved to Texas after school to go manage a job for a few years. In that time, I, I had I'd accumulated tons, hundreds of photos from all the jobs I'd worked on. And then, you know, while I was in school, I'd, I'd essentially just drive up to construction sites in town and, and, you know, knock on the door of the job trailer and ask for tours. So I had all these pictures and I said, well, you know what, why don't I just start sharing some of these on the internet? Because no one's really doing this in the industry. And I think I can you know, provide my, my take on it and see where it goes. Um, so I moved out to Texas. The, the social media thing started to gain traction a little bit. A software company, a big construction software company found me. And, you know, four months into my construction job out there, they said, hey, you should come to Houston and run our, you know, workforce development program for construction. And I, it was too good to be true. I was like, well, I, I have to do this. Moved down there. 
you know, the, the premise of it was really great. I just had fundamental differences with, with the, the CEO of that company who was, you know, basically bankrolling the entire thing. So it was, it was his, his vision. He wanted it executed his way, but I, my vision was, nope, it, I think we should do it this way. Uh, so that only lasted a few months, just got tired of it. I had the social media following, I don't know, maybe you know, 10,000 folks. And I said, why don't I just give this a shot and try to make a business out of this? So it wasn't, I didn't have any, I wasn't making any money at the time. I didn't have a business plan. I didn't think it was going to grow into a marketing agency. I didn't even know what a marketing agency was. I still don't even know what a marketing <laughs> agency is, <laughs> but, um, it just started from there. And the more I've experienced the industry, the more people I've met, the more companies we worked with at a very intimate level, the bigger, um, I, I've been able to form my ideas and, and create a business out of it. Yeah, really similar story here as well. Like, I never planned for any of this. People always ask me, like, oh, man, this is amazing. How'd you put all this together? I'm like, you know what? One day at a time, just finding where there's problems, and I'm just going to keep rolling with it and trying to solve problems at the end of the day. So it sounds like a very similar story. So I think it's always interesting to explain to people how you found your first customer, right? You know, people always ask me, who was your first sale? How'd that happen and stuff? So I'd love to hear from you, like... You, you didn't have a business plan. You really didn't have an idea. You knew you had a following online. You had this idea. You had a passion, obviously, for this. So how did you go find that first, that very first actual paying customer of yours? Yeah, there were, there were a few early on because so, so I tell people, you know, if you really want to go start a company, you, you just it, it gets to the point where you kind of have to put yourself in a position to just make it work. Like you have to you have to create some sense of urgency there or, or else I don't, I don't, I mean, people probably have done it, but I, most people I know that have started companies, they've, they put themselves in a situation where they just need to make it work. That's the only way out of the situation. They put themselves in a corner. Okay. All right, I have to, I have to fight my, fight my way out. So I quit my job, moved in with my dad. So I didn't have to pay rent, not a ton of financial pressure there. I have no kids, no wife, no family. So all I had to do is get food in my mouth at the end of the day. And other, otherwise there was, so, so I had a little bit of time so I started reaching out to a lot of companies online um, with with a little bit of a presence. And the crazy thing about social media is, you can get access to people so easily. So I was I was I was creating relationships with owners of companies through social media. So you know, early on, it was Keaton Turner of Turner Mining Group. Um, we created a relationship. I started doing some work for him because he was this you know crazy young guy that uh, wanted to go change mining. And I said, well, let's go do it together. This is going to be great. So he was as crazy as I was. And uh, so that that worked out real well. There was a guy named Dylan Stevens, who I still work with to this day uh, in, in Nashville, Tennessee. He found me online. He said, hey, can you come out? Um, and he, he gave me a little bit of money. Again, another young guy, um, Tim Kramer, LB3 Enterprises in, in, in San Diego. Again, another guy in his 30s, big earth moving company. I just messaged him like, "Hey, can I just come out and see your guys?" I, I saw I saw a video of theirs on the internet. Huge excavator, just awesome looking machine. I'd never seen one in my life. So I just write him. He said, "Hey, this is who I am. You know, I'm just a kid. I love dirt. I just want to see what you do." I came out there, didn't ask for anything. Just I just wanted to see it. Drove six hours out, you know, at two in the morning to California. Saw the excavator. This was so cool. And then drove six hours back home, so I didn't have to pay for a hotel. Um, and, and then from there, you know, emerged another business relationship that I that didn't quite expect. So it was a lot of, I guess I got, like you just said, I got a lot of the initial business just by providing value and just by, just by being curious and, and just being this, you know, this kid that just loved dirt. And I think they saw something in me that they see in themselves or that was present in themselves early on. And they just 
okay, yeah, I, I, this kid doesn't even have anything to really show. He has no data, no product, nothing. But I just, I kind of want to do business with him because he's just so excited about this and so genuine about this. And, and I believe in it. So it was that early belief that I think got me started. So similar, somewhat similar situation here. I was working for somebody else. I'm doing my side business, this diesel laptop thing, building these diagnostic kits and all these things. And what happens is one day my boss comes to me and says, Tyler, great news. We're going to give you a bonus this year and raise your salary. And I'm like, okay, I, I sense a butt coming here. And she goes, yeah, but you need to, you need to quit your side business. I'm like, well, what if I, yeah. what if I don't want to do that? She's like, well, yeah. you need to resign then or we're going to fire you. I'm like, okay, just, you know, decision time. So it's funny how a lot of times we're put in these positions and it, it wasn't our choice that got us there. It was the kind of things thrown on us, kind of what you alluded to there a little bit earlier. So I get it. You're passionate about all this. You're growing your business. You're out there hustling. We're going to talk about the social media thing here in a minute because I think it's a big piece that's missing from our entire, my industry as long as yours. And what I'd like to know is when did you actually figure out, like, I need help. I can't do this all myself. I need to get some additional help here. Customers are coming in. They're asking for products. You're trying to service existing customers. When did you hit that pivot point? What were kind of the first hires that you made as you were growing your business up? Yeah, it, it was pretty early on. I I try to be. Uh, I'm I'm very naive, so I'm the business that we're in. I don't I don't know what I'm doing at all, and I'm the first one to admit I don't know what I'm doing. So, you know, early on, I, I had to bring in Dan Briscoe, who's our VP now. He was he was my you know I, I was I worked under him at at software company, so he was the VP of marketing. And then he left soon after after I left, and and so when a company when Rosso asked me to go build a website, I said, I, "Can we build? You know, Dylan, hey, can you build this website?" And I said, "A website? Absolutely, I can. That's no problem at all. I had never built a website <laughs> in my life. I still don't know how to build a website. I know nothing about building a website. So the first call I made was to Dan. Dan, I just told someone I'm going to build them a website. I don't know how to do this. Do you know how to do this?" He's like, well, I don't really know how to do it either, but I think I know someone that does. And then he connected me with, you know, a contract web developer slash designer that, that helped us build the first website. Um, and from there, it was just a natural progression of bringing on a lot of part-time people first because I couldn't afford anything. I'd, I have no uh, investors, no banking relationship, no external capital. So I had to do it really, it was really scrappy. It still is scrappy, but it was really scrappy for that first year and a half of bringing on um, contractors, you know, just part-time folks that had other jobs that were willing to work on the side for us. And then as we started to get more and more work, we started to convert some of those contractors to full-time hires. And I'm the first one to, I've, I've always wanted to build a company that doesn't revolve around me. I don't want to be the center of the company. I don't want to have to make all the decisions. I just, I'm just another guy that works here is the way I view it. I genuinely wholeheartedly believe that. Um, so we've brought on a lot of really smart people for that reason. Cause I've, I've, I've been the first one to admit, I don't know what I'm doing. So I need to find other people that do. And, uh, now, you know, it's, it's a, it's a little nerve wracking to, to make some, make some of the hires we are now because it's, it's, we're kind of anticipating some more growth down the road that we haven't quite seen yet, but we know you need the people before you can get the work. It's like chicken versus the egg. Yeah. You know, you need the people before you can get the work, but you need the work before you can get the people, <laughs> especially because we don't have access to outside capital. Uh, so, so that's a little bit nerve wracking. Now we're starting to add to the overhead, you know, more management positions. And, and it's just, I guess we've hired people based on need. Like, like most recently was our, we hired a project manager 
And we, we did that because we just really screwed up some projects lately that because they didn't have any kind of management whatsoever, because we've, we've just naturally been the project managers up till this point. And then we've gotten so busy, we can't adequately manage projects anymore. Sort of like, crap, okay, I guess we need to go hire a project manager. Um, so that's how we've been hiring now. It's, it's, I wish it was more strategic, but it's just like, all right, what do we need? What are the pain points? How are we screwing things up? And then, okay, great. We need a project manager. Let's go get one. Um, and it's, it's worked out great. It, it's really tough when it's all yours and you do every piece of it to all of a sudden hand that little piece off to somebody else and say, okay, go do this. And it took me a while to realize they're going to do it their own way and not, not the way I need it. And I, I had to be okay yeah. with that because I can't micromanage all these moving pieces going around. You got to hire great talent and you got to put, put that talent in charge to give them the ability to grow. And, and, you know, this just happened this weekend. You know, I used to be the guy that did everything, right? I was a one-man show, tech support, all the entries, everything. And we had some things. I found some new new documents. I'm like, hey, we need this stuff put in Excel format, but it's in an image. And let me show you guys how to do this. And this weekend, like, Tyler, we do this all the time. We have a whole team here. Like, you don't need to do this stuff anymore. Yep. And yeah. we actually do it a better way now. And I'm kind of like, oh, you're, you're completely, completely right. Um, but what I'd like to talk about is the bootstrapping because very similar thing here. We didn't get outside funding. We didn't get investment money. I'm, I'm in my garage. It sounds like you're work, you're living with your with your dad, you know, and, and trying to and trying to make it work. And I had to have a. It was a really. I remember the moment. The whole year got done. We actually made a profit. And then I had to get with my accountants and say, oh, here's what I did. And they're like, okay, now you owe, you know, 35 or 40 grand in taxes. I'm like, well, I don't have that money. <laughs> like, yeah. that money's in receivables and inventory and, and everywhere else. I had to go get a loan to pay my tax bill at the end of the year because I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing. How has it been going? It, it's tough to, to bootstrap a company and grow it. How, how has that been for you guys? And I know you're in those earliest couple of years, but I can imagine some difficulty and some, some challenges there. It's, it's, it's really tough. And, and the, the, the funny thing is it's like the more money you make, the more broke you are. Yeah. So we're making more money than we ever have before. And yet I am, I'm like, I'm more broke than I ever have been before. <laughs> Just cause like you, you make a lot more and then you consume a lot more as a result. And, and so we've, we've spent the past two years growing at 280% is, is our growth rate for the past two years, which has just been it creates so many problems to grow that fast. Not not just operationally, but just consuming cash. We've run out of money multiple times now, and uh, I mean the first the first time it was it was you know midnight. I flew into Indianapolis uh, on a Sunday, so it's Sunday midnight, Indianapolis airport. I go to the rental car thing. My cart's declined. Well, no, just swipe it again. No, nope, cart's declined. I'm like, oh, it, it probably just a mistake. Call up American Express. They're like. You owe us uh, $55,000. So if you wanted to pay that now, we can turn the card on. No problem at all. And I said, well, I don't have $55,000 for you. Like I had maybe $5,000 in the checking account at the time. And they said, well, sorry, we can't turn the card on for you. And we need this money within seven days. And, I, and, and, and so I couldn't get my rental car because I didn't have a credit card. Fortunately, I had my personal credit card in my bag that I always had. It's the only time I've ever used it for that rental car to pick up the damn rental car. And then I needed uh, not even not I needed about eighty thousand dollars within a few days that didn't exist at the time. And so those are the moments where you're just like, "What have I done?" And again, you're just backed into this corner. It's like, well, I can't just roll over. I got to figure this out. Got to come up with some creative solutions. And uh, as a result, we've come up with some creative solutions. So it's just um, yeah, it's it's yeah, managing the cash flow sucks, but oh, but. Again, it goes back to the relationships we have with a lot of companies we work with. Everyone's rooting for us. So it's like, 
I am on my own. So if this thing doesn't work, it's really on me. But at the same time, the companies we work with really care about our success because if we're successful, they're successful. And if they're successful, we're successful. We're so ingrained in their businesses now that they have a, a pretty vested interest that they've been able to financially look out for us and give us the means that we wouldn't necessarily have as, as a different type of business. Yeah, very similar stories here through the years as well. And it gets really tough. And I always thought when I was doing this thing, I was like, boy, I, I can just imagine a year from now when, when we're doing more volume and more sales, it's going to be much easier to make these decisions. They're going to seem really insignificant. They just got a lot bigger, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden you're not making, I'm not making five and $10,000 decisions. I'm making $100,000 decisions. And I'm like, this is this is like a whole new game. And I, I don't think it stops, to be honest. And as we were growing like this, our cash flow, we were constantly cash poor. Like, you know, I think my company was probably valued fairly decently and we're, we're doing all those things. But it's really tough when you look at your bank account and be like, oh man, <laughs> like this is, this is not good. You know, and it wasn't really until COVID actually hit, uh, of all the horrible things with COVID, our sales finally did kind of go down and then they kind of went back up again, but kind of plateaued out there on average. And all of a sudden the cash caught back up to all the money that was flowing around all over the place. So it does it does catch up eventually. And we did similar things too. How can we improve cash flow? And you do a bunch of little things and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, this is much better. We can manage this and we can grow our business and, and do those things. Yeah, you just kind of you just kind of make it up too. It's like, there's no right way to do it. You just kind of, oh, okay, how do we do this? I mean, and. And it's, it's funny too, I think scale, like the other day, or it was a while ago, but you just have like these little moments as a business owner, like, oh, wow, that's something else. Like in one day we spent more money than, than my salary was out of college. And I was making good money out of college in one single day. And you're just sitting there like, how is this even possible? Like, how did this happen? This is just, just is just weird. And, and, but then, but then you don't even freak out about it. Cause it's so normal at this point. It's like, okay, great. Yeah. We spent much more money. Like it just kind of is what it is. Yeah, we had a, I had a, a two pivotal moments happen to me last month. Well, we ended up the, the last week of the month ended up being our, our best week ever in our company history. And, and I, I look at it and I, I look at the number and I'm like, you know, that's so much, I, it, I wasn't even selling that much in an entire year the first year I was doing business. Yeah. And we just did that in a week here. It yeah. just blew my mind. And then immediately after, you know, I think we drained about 1.5 million out of our bank account because we had to pay off a company credit card and payroll and commissions. And all of a sudden you went from that super high to like, all right, that was a lot of money. We got to go, we got to go fill this thing back up again. It's, it's not, it's non. It's just, it's just like, like I'll have those moments multiple times a day where I'm just on top of the world yeah. one hour. And then the next hour, it's just, I get socked in the stomach and I just feel sick and, and, and just terrible. Then the next hour I'm on top of the world and it, and then you just go to bed at the end of the day. Like, why am I so exhausted? And you're like, well, no kidding. I'm so exhausted because emotionally I'm just like this all day long. And it, it's, uh, it's a lot to manage at some points. Yeah. And we've had so many bad things happen to us too. And it was because a function of me deciding, Hey, I'm going to go grow this thing as fast as humanly possible and scale this thing up. We got huge demand out there. Let's worry about HR. Let's worry about receivables and pay. Let's yeah. worry about that stuff yeah. later. Let's just go sell the stuff. And then we ran into situations with employees stealing from us. One actually got, you know, police actually hauled her off in cuffs. We've had situations yep. like that. We've had hackers get in and steal, steal money from us. And at the end of the day, I, I kind of look back at it and be like, man, that stuff was horrible that it happened. But if I didn't, didn't choose that path of growing fast, 
I could have maybe prevented that, but it would have hurt me on this side. So maybe they're expensive lessons learned or stupid lessons learned. I'm I'm not sure. And that's that's the hard part when you start hiring a lot of people is putting that trust in people that actually have control over checking accounts and credit cards and personal files of employees. It's it's a it's a tough thing to do as an entrepreneur and a business owner. It's it's tough, but I've always me the way we we run our business is I, ba- I actually today I need to start preparing for this. I present to the company every three months, every quarter. And, you know, hey, here's exactly how much money we have. Here's exactly how much money we made. Here's what we spent it on. Here are the key financial decisions we've made. Here's where the company stands financially. And and so I'm, I'm 100% of their company, but I want everyone to have a vested interest in, uh, in in the company, the financial success of the company, and understand how the money's flowing in and out, How understand how our business works. And in the way uh, the way I see trust and it is I want to give everyone my trust and, and give them just undivided trust before I ever expect trust and loyalty in, re- in return. And I think a lot of companies, they run it the opposite way. They expect their people to be loyal to the company before the co- company ever even thinks about being loyal back to them. And when it, when someone leaves like, man, they, yeah, they just, they just, they're, they're the worst. And it's like, no, no, no. Like I think you as a company need to give them everything possible before expecting anything in return. Um, and it's done, it, it's been really good for us to just empower, empower people and just give them information and educate them on, you know, Hey, here's where we stand. So you're not worried about your paycheck clearing and, and yeah, is, are things tight? Like, do I need you to be making educated financial decisions on your own? Absolutely. This is why I'm giving you the information, but at the same time, you don't need to be worried about feeding your family and, and worried about job security, especially with the job market as crazy as it is right now. Cause we are okay too, at the same time. Uh, so that's been one of the best things I've done is just give people that trust and, and yeah, do people screw you over all the time and do people make, make stupid decisions and, and yeah, that happens too. Um, but at the end of the day, if I give them my trust, I think it's, it's, it's worked out a lot better for us than, you know, just looking over my shoulder every other day. So about a year and a half ago, you know, we're just operating the way we always have. I'm just shooting from the hip, pure entrepreneur company. Yeah, do this, do that, go this direction. And I brought in my my first, you know, vice president. And, you know, he had that heart to heart with me like, Tyler, <laughs> if you really want this thing to grow, you're, we're going to have to move this from the entrepreneur to a professionally managed company and, and do all these things. And we got to figure out how to get from here to, to there. And it's going to be a long path in front of us. So we brought in a company to kind of help us make that transition. How do we do this and how do roles change and what are the skills we need to have because now we got people that used to be a diesel technician that are now all of a sudden managing a bunch of people and trying to put up training centers and build curriculum two totally different skill sets and we're not giving them the tools to do those things so part of the first process with this company was they sent out a company-wide survey and i think we had about 100 employees at the time and you know one of the sections and then it's looking at everything like how stressed out are you do you feel like you understand the company mission the values who's your leader do your companies have an organizational chart you know all these things and we get it back, and one of the questions on there essentially was, how well does your CEO communicate to you guys? I'm like, oh, I got this. I'm walking around. I'm talking to people all the time. I think that was the one we scored absolutely worst on <laughs> was the, yeah. the employee, my communication with the employees. And it was then I realized, man, the, the roles really change as you're growing a company and you start adding people because you can't be the guy that does it anymore and does it all. you got to put your confidence in the people. Have you seen your role inside the company kind of changing a little bit now as you've been adding staff on and growing? It's, it's totally changed. And, and I, like, I make that mistake all the time of everyone. I, I think everyone thinks like I do and yeah. knows what's in my head. <laughs> so that's, that's like one of the, the biggest mistakes I've made is, is again, communication. Cause I, I won't communicate because it's like, yeah, they already know. Like, it's so obvious to me. Like, of course it's obvious to them when it's not at all because I haven't articulated it. So I wouldn't be obvious. Um, but I, I, I used to, 
like the first two years, it was travel every single week, just running around the United States, doing all kinds of crazy. Like I, I still travel a lot. I mean, since May one, I've been to thirty five states. So it's it's not. <laughs> I guess it's still above average. Is 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 how you could say it. But at the same time, it's like I can't just run off for two weeks anymore and go run to fifteen states in in, in two week period and just you know, have fun at all these mines and, and run around and load trucks and an excavator one day. And then it, because I need to operate the company as well. So now it's, it's gone from me doing a lot of running around, a lot of traveling, a lot of face to face to, um, meeting with accountants, meeting with the lawyers, meeting with insurance folks, meeting with, you know, right now we're trying to get this office deal done, you know, the broker and the architects and, and making sure all the operational aspects of the business are there, which just takes up so much damn time. And then the other side of it is just communication, 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 mission, values, training, internal communication. It, it, it just, just now it's just like all I do is talk on the phone and, you know, our internal podcast and think through our training programs. And, and, and it's just a lot of, a lot of that nowadays. So I wish I could, I do miss the, like I'm starting to understand. I do need to start back away, backing away from field even more than I am now. And I already start to, I'm already starting to miss it because it was a super unsustainable lifestyle. But the weird thing is it's like, well, I, but, but no, I kind of like, like it at the same yeah. time because <laughs> when I'm home for three, three, three nights in a row, I'm like, wait, no, 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 this is, this is uncomfortable. This is not normal. I've, I'm stayed in the same bed for three nights. This is, this is not how it works. Um, but I'm realizing, you know, that's my role. And, and you have to understand too, I try to be really self-aware. What am I good at? I am really, really damn good at operating a business and understanding money. And so that's my place in the company. Um, and, and so I need to be there for the sake of everybody and really keep an eye on all that and then let everyone else do what they're good at from a marketing standpoint, because I can't even touch what they do. Um, so I don't have a business being in a majority of the company these days. Well, so this is the part I really want to ask you because what you guys really do, well, first of all, you guys have amazing photography and we're going to talk about all your social media channels here and, and everything in a little minute, but you guys do some amazing photography. But the really cool thing is, is when you're dealing with companies and the videos and the, the print that you guys put out and the copies, it's really finding that story inside that company, putting the human behind it. Now, I can just imagine some marketing guy coming in here and trying to be like, Tyler, tell me your story and your passion. And that's a hard thing to articulate. How, how are you guys able to get these companies that probably aren't used to talking about that side of their business and their, their lives to come forward and say, this is who we are and these are the things we believe in? Is it, is it tough to get that out of them or do they just kind of like spew it out once you start asking the right questions? Um, it, so it starts with our sales process. Uh, we don't really reach out to many folks. They reach out to us. So they, they come to us because we reach so many people online and, and, and so by them coming to us, they're already saying we're open to this and, and we want, we know we need to tell our story and we don't necessarily know how, but we're, we want to. So, so to begin with, they're already warm to it. They don't really know how, but, but we don't have to convince them of it, which is, which is very exciting. Um, so that's, that's, that's a big piece of it. And then when we get there, it's really just about um, speaking their language and meeting them where they are. So I, and the, going back to training, like this is a big focus of mine right now. How do I train people that have never been in the construction industry? Cause we are hiring a lot of people that have never been out in the field. How do we train them to think like the people out in the field? And how do we train them to interact with these folks in a very genuine manner? Because if you, do, if you, if you meet them where they are, they're, they're open book, unbelievable people, but they're very proud at the same time. So if you come in like this, you know, know it all marketing agency that just doesn't really speak the language or show up to the site in cargo shorts, you're, you're done. You're out. Like 
you're not going to get that story. No way are you going to be able to touch it. So we spend a lot of time and energy just meeting them where they are and being really careful about how we speak their language and uh, maintaining a sense of humility. I mean, real uh, humility is huge in telling a story too. It's not about us. It's it's all about them and just in, in, in curiosity and, and, and love for what they do and, and passion for their business. So I think when we combine all of that, we get to get to that real good story. I, I, I don't even think about storytelling, frankly, with what I do, because I just, I just love it. And I, it's really kind of a selfish pursuit. Like I, I just want to know how you did this. Or like, I don't want to know how you, how you guys do that. Cause I'm just, I'm so fascinated. This is so spectacular and it's just so much fun. Uh, like we had uh, two weeks ago, we spent the day with Vaughn Vite. You know, this guy's a legend. I built this enormous construction company up in Minnesota. And we spent the whole day with the guy just talking about his whole life. And I was just, I had my mouth wide open the whole day. Cause it's like, this is crazy. I would have paid to be here to talk to this guy for a day. And yet they're paying me to be here to talk to this guy for like, this is, <laughs> I'm getting paid to do this, to just sit here and learn to about how this guy did it in his life. So I can go take it and model it for myself. And, and I think it's that love and, 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 and excitement that, that creates the story as well. You have to be excited about the story you're telling because your emotions come out in the storytelling and, and it goes to photography. You know, it's like, I know you said we're going to bring it up, but it's like my photos are exciting because I'm excited while I'm taking the photos. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's your emotion that's being presented. So if you're not all that excited about the photo you're taking, it's really not going to be an exciting photo. Yeah, so our company built a really similar way on the marketing side. So before us, when someone wanted to buy a diagnostic tool, you went to a brick and mortar store, which is usually a, a, a retailer of truck parts or equipment parts, and maybe they happened to sell a diagnostic tool, and maybe they could talk to you about it. Or you had other companies that were doing it, but they were literally had a sales reps all over the country, and they're going on site, and they're hooking the computer up to a truck and showing them what it does. and. I was like, this is, this is, we tried that and it was horrible because you had so much windshield time and you couldn't talk to enough customers. You spent half a day with one customer yeah. and we came up with a better strategy and we'd said, you know what? We're never going to leave our house. We're never going to show the people the software and we're going to do everything on, online and we're going to do it through our, you know, the reputation we're building and our references of our customers. And it ended up working. Our, our sales rep went from selling four, five, six units a month to selling 20 and never having to travel. I'm like, oh, that we can scale much easier than another way. But we did it online. And I know in my industry, in the truck repair industry, in the truck dealership world, they're not really online marketing folks. They're still running print ads and magazines. Even all of our competitors still do it. They, they run all the traditional media ads and advertisements and all that stuff. And they're still not doing online. Yep. And they're missing a huge opportunity. So can you talk about some of the online platforms you guys use and maybe some of the success that you guys have seen through the years just being on those platforms? Yeah, I, when I first started my business, I got real frustrated about people not taking advantage of the internet. It's because, and that was my one of my big fundamental differences with the workforce development initiative I was heading before I started the company was they wanted to go around high school to high school and, and go talk to kids. And it's like, well, I can already reach every high school platform or every high school classroom in the United States with my phone. So why do I need to go around classroom to classroom? And I know there's value in doing that, but it doesn't make sense at the same time. Why? It just doesn't. And it's not our place. Um, so I started to leverage social media because it was like, well, I could go communicate with a lot of folks very, very effectively. This is this is absolutely wild. And it was frustrating for me at the beginning because I saw it so clearly, but these big construction companies, they just didn't care. So I was sitting there just beating my head against the wall, trying to convince them of the value in doing this stuff. And they just didn't see it. 
So the switch flipped and said, well, I just, I'm going to stop convincing people and go find the people that already see the value in it and want to go do it and just work with them and just, just find the people that, that already get it and then go make it so wildly successful with them that everyone is going to have to get on board at some point. It's just, it's only a matter of time. I know I'm right here. And, and, and so I'm going to keep marching in this direction with the people that want to be on the march with me and it'll all catch up with the industry as we go. The, 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 I guess for our business, we've grown very quickly um, and we have a zero marketing dollar. Uh, we spend zero dollars on marketing. We're a marketing agency. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I make my business, uh, make my, my whole business is, is predicated on people spending money on marketing. I spend zero on marketing and I tell <laughs> people that. It's like, cause I don't need to because we have these social platforms. Like you just said, you know, you've been following me on LinkedIn. You already know who I am. I've never spoken to you before ever. And yet you already know who this guy is because you've been following me for so long. You've been exposed to my ideas, my business, the other people working for us, our customers. You've already seen all that for oftentimes months. Um, and there's just immense value in, in even going into a sales conversation with someone that already knows everything about you. So you don't even need to go spend the first hour talking about yourself. You, you can just get right into it because they, yeah, no, we're sitting here because we've been following you and we're excited to be on. So how do we do it? So our sales conversations aren't, this is who we are. This is what we can do for you. It's okay. How can we come together and actually make this happen? And, and it's a totally different conversation because we put ourselves out there online. So we use, you know, LinkedIn is probably the biggest generator business by far. Instagram, I, I, you know, Instagram's just fun for me. I like messing around on there. I've met a lot of really great people, created a lot of great relationships. We've done a lot of hiring through Instagram. So a lot of the people we've, we have working for our business are, are directly from Instagram. Um, Facebook's great. And then the podcast has been really, really, really great for us too. I have the podcast Dirt Talk where we, we talk with a lot of our customers just about about dirt, you know, hey, what's what's going on in your business and what's the field look like and tell me about how you buy a bulldozer. I mean, just real, just, it's it's a very niche podcast, but our, everything we do is very niche. I don't need to go appeal to everybody. I just want to really appeal to, to our target demographic. And I probably get more comments about the podcast than anything else I do these days. So um, it's a combination of a lot of different things, but it's con- just consistent storytelling across the board. Um, everything we do is very consistent, no matter where we're doing it, that really adds up to a lot at the end of the day. All right, so I gotta ask, are, are you getting recognized in public at all? People are like, hey, are you, you're Aaron, aren't you from BuildWit? Do you get that at all when you're just randomly walking around or on job sites or somewhere? Uh, it, 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 really, it doesn't really feed my ego, because uh, I don't do it for recognition, but I don't think I've been to a job site in the past year that people haven't known. Who, <laughs> who at least the company is. So, and that's, that's the crazy thing is, you know, we'll go out to a job site in North Dakota and everyone already knows who we are on the site where I was just down in, in Arizona looking at the, the border fence project on, on Thursday, you know, some guy in a dr- truck drives up and rolls down the window. Holy smokes. Like I follow you online. Like this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and that, it happens all the time. And then it, it's, it started to happen in public too. Um, you know, you'll be at the airport or I'll be at like the grocery store. Some guy stopped me in front of my house the other day. Like, wait a minute. I've seen that name, that, that name on the truck. Wait, is that, is that you? Cause I've been following you guys. And it, it just, it, 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 it's, it's so surreal that all these people are following along. And I, I genuinely forget about it. Like someone, I basically put my entire life on the internet. I'm very, I'm a very open book. I was telling you that before this yeah. conversation, you're like, is, is there anything you don't, you don't want me to talk? I was like, no, 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 we'll just talk about whatever, whatever you want but I forget about it. So someone, some stranger will come up to me like, man, I just saw you were in Florida last week and that just looked so cool. And I, I sit there and I have to think like, 
how do they know I was in Florida? <laughs> like, oh, oh, I've n- I don't even know who this person is yet. And then, oh yeah, I put it all on the internet and they're following along. Um, or, you know, like we, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into a, a, we're getting into much bigger agreements now with much bigger companies. And, and so Dan will tell me like, oh yeah, the entire executive team is now following you on social media and they love it and this and that. And then I sit there, I'm like, Oh, what stupid things have I put on social media that I would not want the CEO of this company to see? Yeah. But again, that's that's what that's why they want to do business with us at the same time because it's like, yeah, he's just putting it all out there, and and they they trust us because we're we're so honest and we at least we try to be honest online. Well, and I think that's what's important is you're not out there just just pimping your company. You're on there telling stories. You're telling things about your personal life. You're being really transparent on what's going on in your business, successes, failures, all those things. Similar things here. I I was shocked the first time someone recognized me, like just walking down the street and I was in Vegas and someone's like, hey, can I get a picture with you? I'm like, how do you even know who I am or these things? And it just kind of compounds from there and everything. And I was at a, this, this spring, I was on a, we have a lake next to us. I had my kids with me, my wife. And it's just a small little island. We beach the boat there. You know, I got my shirt off, beer in my hand, Billy hanging out, all that. And someone else pulls up a pontoon boat and they like walk over and they're like, are you Tyler with decent laptops? I'm like, oh God, <laughs> this is not the image I want to project here right now. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's me. So it, it's really weird. It, it, I say these stories and wanted you to share that because people don't understand the impact and how much people, how many people are actually viewing all your content all the time online. It is a really, really big number. And this all goes back to how much easier it makes your sales cycle when customers already know who you are, what you do, how you do things, and what your passion is. You just leapfrogged everybody else that's in that space trying to compete with you tenfold. And it becomes difficult for them not to want to do business with you when they see everything that you're putting out there like that. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's made sales a lot easier. Um, it's made you know, just getting people behind our mission a lot easier, you know, changing, making the dirt world a better place. It's, it's, made, a, it's made a lot of progress there. And then uh, hiring, we don't have a problem hiring. It's, it's, I mean, all these companies, they're talking about how it's hard, how so it's so hard to find people. And it's like, I wish I could relate to you. And this is what a lot of our business is, is, is helping you figure this out, but we don't really have an issue. Um, and, and it's because, you know, people, people are just reaching out to us all the damn time now. Hey, hey can I, how do I work for you guys? How do I work? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I let me see what we what we have open. Maybe you can apply. I, I, I and, and, and I guess you know it's it's not that way, but it's just it's just the the and it, none of this was intentional, honestly. Like, yeah. and I think that's why it works so well because none of this is a ploy to go sell more or grow our business or go hire more. Like, it's just all just straight up authentic storytelling. I'm not trying to act like I'm anyone else. Like, it's just. It's none of that. It's just super genuine. We love who we work with. We love what we do. And here's what's going on in our business. Here's the stupid stuff we're, we're learning about. Here's all the screw ups we've been, been making. And here's the lessons we've learned. It's just in a really authentic manner. And I think that's what draws people in. I 100% agree. That's what people really gravitate towards is the real stories and just hearing about what's going on in people's lives. So I think we kind of brought in with your timeline a little bit with your company. How many employees do you have today? And, and where do you see yourself three, four, five years from now and, and build with? Yeah, so now, like this time last year, there are five of us. And now there's 19 full-time and about 15 part-time, um, which is just absolutely wild to think that that many humans rely on me for their income and, and to provide for their families, which is it's a little terrifying. But it's it's... The, the most fulfilling thing about all this at the same time, just building companies, seeing a culture start to materialize. So we're, we're starting to build a team. Um, the next few years, 
I want to become really, really enormous. So I don't necessarily want to grow the marketing agency to the moon. Uh, we want to find you know about 50 companies to go partner with for the next 40, 50 years with our marketing agency. So that's the goal there. And, and kind of, so within the next five years, we really want to get the marketing agency to where it's not just us running around the fire hose and just trying to put out whatever fire we see, which is right now, essentially, and it's creating a lot of problems, just being able to just running around a fire after fire after fire mm-hmm. every day of the week. It's exhausting too. Um, try to get that established, but at the same time, we're also starting, you know, a few other companies that are all solving different problems for the same customers. So from, you know, hiring, from business development, from heavy, heavy equipment training, from used equipment sales, we want to, there's a lot of, uh, pieces that we want to go start putting together, um, providing a lot more value for the industry. Again, all going back to our mission, making the world a better place from uh, from different angles, and and a lot of those businesses will be able to scale a lot faster than the the media company has. So within the next five years or so, it should be a group of companies um, doing different things within the within the industry, and I'm sure it's going to be as much of a disaster it is today. But maybe it'll be a, a a bigger disaster, bigger circus, and that's at least the hope. Well, I really look forward to following you for the next couple of years and everything. It's amazing what you guys have built. I can just tell from talking to you here for a little bit. You're you're on the right track. You got a lot of success in front of you, a lot of runway ahead of you guys, and a lot of ideas. So I'm really excited to see where you guys end up and everything. For everyone listening or watching here, and they want to connect with you guys, follow you guys, you want to drop all the social media platforms you're on or explain the best way to kind of keep up with what you got going on? Yeah. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, Aaron Witt, sharing dirt photos on there every day. Um, Instagram, BuildWit is the primary account there. Um, again, lots of dirt photos. So if you don't like dirt, don't follow me because that's all you're going to get. And then the podcast, Dirt Talk, is uh, where we interview a lot of the companies we work with and, and just talk dirt. So it's, it's again, I'm, I'm just trying to appeal to a very specific audience. So if you love dirt, we're, we're the place for you. If not, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't waste your time. Well, love what you guys are doing. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It was great having you on. And for everyone listening and watching, I want to thank you as well. It's been really appreciative to be able to spend some time here with people such as Aaron. And with that, as we end every episode, it's just not diagnostics. It's diagnostics done right.